Hello and welcome to the K-Scope podcast 2017 Roundup-a-thon or Christmas Podding. Billy Reeves here. It's been another great award-winning busy year for your favourite record label. First up, as winter came to a close, I had a cup of tea with Aviv Geffen, who, along with Stephen Wilson and legendary producer Alan Parsons, made Blackfield Five. Now, with two songwriters involved, I wondered how the material was chosen. There's many songs that was dropped uh, from the album because Stephen believed it was too cheesy or too schmaltzy. Uh, but uh, yeah, after all, I, I'm half Russian, you know, <laughs> so I got those DNA. Uh, I start with the uh, with the demos, and uh, Stephen came to my place and listened to the, the songs, and he said he want to uh, to be back, like in a full force, and to be like a full partner, and to make it uh, like the first and second album, like a duo. So uh, it's nice to have him back. Uh, it was great to work with uh, with Parsons and uh, and Stephen together in studio. For me, as a musician, it's like a it's like a dream to have those uh, genius of, of sound like Alan and Stephen working on, on songs that I, that I wrote. It, our idols was Jeff Lynn, uh, uh, Parsons, of course, uh, the Carpenters. So he one of those you know people that we we. You know, we just adore them. And uh, when he said, yes, uh, uh, I'll do some work with Blackfield, for us it's like perfect, you know. Yeah. And he's really like an old school uh, engineer. He, we want to work with, with, with a desk, not to go mm-hmm. through the computers without uh, any compression. Uh, he said, Aviv, if you can't uh, play this song from the start <laughs> till the end, so fuck off. Yeah. Which is really nice to, to hear, you know, yeah, or the copy-paste uh, world. He's against it, and it, it's, 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 it's it's brilliant. There's a, there's a particularly great photograph from the the, the teaser video of right. Alan Parsons sitting there. I mean, he's a big, imposing figure, and you're, <laughs> sort, you're sort of like sitting there looking really thoughtful. Um, Alan's sitting at the desk, but Stephen's kind of leaning over. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. No, I think Stephen wants to steal some tricks from Alan, <laughs> right. sound tricks. But Stephen is like, like, was like a student there. From 24 to 20. Girl, I like became my wife. I tried. It was harder than I ever imagined to keep all my dreams alive. Then, from twenty-eight to thirty-three, the new responsibility. That's from Blackfield 5, and it's entitled From 44 
to 48. Also at the beginning of the year, I had two chats with the great Richard Barbieri, probably best known for being part of two of the greatest and most popular British experimental bands, Japan and Porcupine Tree. Firstly, we spoke about Japan's bass player Mick Khan. K-Scope released a series of Mick Khan records, both solo and with Peter Murphy in Dali's car. So inevitably, I asked Richard for his memories of Mick and being in Japan together. Whenever I think of the three of us, I just think we spent nearly all our time not making music, just being mates. And we never spoke about music. We'd never talk. That's interesting because the, because the the kind of rock and roll the rock and roll mythology suggests that Japan split up because they fell out. Yeah, well, I suppose that's that was the more important thing than the music. Right. Okay. Was the that was always what? Yeah, that yeah. always came first. Mick and Steve and myself. Um, I think we were just mates who occasionally made music together. Right, okay. It was always relaxed when we did because we'd been through that whole thing of being in the studio and being under mm. great scrutiny. From each yeah. other, yeah. and being pressurised by each other to do good things. So once you've kind of come out the other side of that, and you've, you've sort of um, psychologically survived that. <laughs> as, the, as quite young yeah. men. Then you, know. then you can kind of, you can record in most situations. And I think our, the whole vibe of our thing was to be quite funny and sarcastic about it all. He is a one-off. He's quite unique. And... Um, I find the albums very enjoyable because I'm always quite surprised by them. Yeah. That some of them just, you know, do take me by surprise. I just think, what, what is he doing there? What, how did he, why would he think of doing that? <laughs> <laughs> but then if you look at his sculptures, it's not, you know, it's, then, then it's, it's not such a surprise, I suppose. Yeah, I guess in many ways they're oral sculptures, aren't they, a lot of the time? Yeah. And I he, mean, he is a bit of a surrealist. Mm. I suppose he's a musical surrealist. Yeah. album The Concrete Twin that is ashamed to be a part of them. Now, I also spoke to Richard Barbieri about his immersive solo album which was released this year. It's entitled Planets and Persona. The first thing I want to ask you actually is about the title because I wondered if it was a, a way of bringing both small themes, persona, and big themes together, or it was some sort of reference uh, to astrology? Well, it's a bit of both, actually. You've kind of summed it up. There's this theme of uh, duality that goes throughout the album. And, um, of course, it's, a, it's an age-old concept. But um, 
the duality thing seems to happen in three different ways across the album. And one is, as you say, it's this very, um, uh, it's the way we perceive things that to us at a distance might seem beautiful and peaceful and calm. Yet if you were in the midst mm. of the actual um, atmosphere itself, it would be very turbulent and violent. Mm. So it's kind of this, how distance can change our perception of things. And, you know, I've always been a little bit attracted to planets and to the solar system. So it's something very uh, appealing about that. Um, there's also kind of a duality as well in terms of the human condition, an age-old sort of a, a concept. <laughs> Does that, is that conscious or subconscious thing? Do you find yourself creating a piece of music and then wondering where it's come from and then trying to give it life by giving it that concept, or is it the other way around? Well, no, you've, you've, you've actually just hit on the, on the third form of the duality, which is kind of the way that I tend to work. And that is, is a kind of in an unconscious state, which is the the artistic side, let's say, where you just start doing things without any, any particular thought, um, working with very abstract start points, strange sounds, samples, um, tying things together, looking for ways of making things work. And then the next time you approach the work, you approach it as the logical kind of producer, right, okay. as if you're looking and producing what your other self has done and you start to think I like that I didn't and it's an accident you didn't know how you did it Solar Sea from Richard Barbieri's album Planets and Persona and I ask you dear listener there are plenty of other planets out there could there be any life just 40 light years away the 360 degree video for that track imagines what these worlds would look like and you can check the video on K-Scope's channels now as spring sprung I had a look back 
at some of my favourite Stephen Wilson tracks and interviews as Stephen announced his new LP and huge tour. And I went back to the In Sargentes discussion. And of course, on Stephen's mind during that conversation was the way that people use iPods. And I think what he's got to say here about the In Sargentes album and documentary still rings true. I decided that, hey, you know what, let's make, um, let's make a film of me making this record, but let's make the whole making of the record kind of an adventure. As it turned out, it became much more than even that because we began to incorporate two other strands into the filming, first of which was this idea about how has download culture affected mm. the life of a working musician. And I talk a lot in the film about you know, iPods and MP3s and how that's changed. The way people listen to music, the way people relate to music, completely changed in the last few years. It's almost like it's just this complicity and just allowing this to happen. So I decided to talk about it, and that led on to this idea of, of for fun, we bought ten iPods off eBay and we destroyed each one in a different way. You know, and it's funny and it's frivolous, but it, it and it, it's entertaining, which, of course, the movie's supposed to be entertaining. But it also, of course, raises the points and, and leads on to the discussion about... You know, why is he doing this? And there was three things for me. Um, the first thing was, yes, the idea of the album uh, as a musical journey was kind of being lost, I felt. Particularly with people, you know, listening on shuffle, you know, on their... And that was another, that was the second reason, the playlist mentality, which is kind of anathema to me, because I grew up with this idea that you put on a record at the beginning of side one and you allowed the musicians to take you on this journey, the, the way they'd sequenced it, the way they'd planned it. And with the kind of shuffle playlist mentality, that's completely gone. I'm not saying everyone has their iPod on, on shuffle, but a lot of people do. And a lot of people just... There's always the temptation to, to skip and flip around. So that's the second reason. And the third reason is the complete negation of presentation and packaging. For me, the great classic albums, you cannot think about those records without thinking of the artwork.
From my favourite Stephen Wilson interviews and tracks podcast, that is entitled The Raven That Refused to Sing, from the album of the same name. Uh, credit to Jess Cope for an incredible animated uh, promo. That was her first for Stephen, which kicked off a very fruitful creative partnership. Now, Anathema released their album The Optimist, as the UK saw the signs of early summer in June and engaged in a snap uh, general election. The LP won Album of the Year at the prestigious Progressive Music Awards in London, an award voted for by the readers of Prog magazine. So just preceding their massive world tour, I got to hang out with two of the Kavanagh brothers, Daniel and Vincent and I wanted to discuss with Vincent a slight change in his vocal technique. Sexy, I thought. Sexy? Yeah, I think so. Wow. Saucy. Saucy. There is a bit, actually, where I think he's like that. And I forget what song You want me to talk about how sexy my voice is? Was that a deliberate thing? Well, there's a double tracking thing as well, I think, which had the vocals being double tracked Uh as well. It's the Scottishness. Scotland has this effect on you, especially Tony Dugan. The Heather. He just makes you feel sexy. Right, okay. Was it a deliberate thing, though? Did you think the material suited, you know, being a little bit more I didn't think soft? about it. Really? I just did it. I've interviewed you together once. It was in a cafe two albums ago in Soho. I've interviewed you separately six times, five times, and you both, separately and together, usually say the same thing to me at the end of it, which is, we want to make the greatest album that we possibly can. We haven't done it yet. So, Vincent, have you done? Have you done? <laughs> no. <laughs> have no. you done it yet? Well, no, I don't think so. No, I, I think this is all I ever really hope for, especially when once we've completed something, is is it actually finished? Is it complete? Is it? Does it feel as if there's not a lot of a lot that we would do to change it? It's now a couple of months f- since we finished it, mm. and to me, there's probably a couple of things I would change, um, okay. but they're not nothing major, you know. Yeah. In hindsight, but um, it must be so. It must be there's so a few, easy to a few do small that, things, but like, but then. We worked on everything on this in the most fine detail until the mm. very last minute, you know, right up until the master, until you eventually got to let it go. And mm. I think at this point, to carry on work on it after, after the music was finished, doing the artwork with Travis, doing the live show, putting these, these films and visuals together that we're doing at the moment is really something we've never done before. Okay, so it feels like so in, that, in that sense, I would say it's a way more complete sort of cross-discipline, okay. cross-platform yeah. work that we've never done before. It's much more of a visual story than something we've never okay. done before. But that only it spares me on to do something bigger and better next time. Okay, just that, what's your relationship with I don't with know, honestly, I, I, I wonder if we'll beat this. Like, mm. But I think we were better prepared this time. Yeah. But um, I, I yeah, remember... Yeah. I remember being about May, June last year, like a couple of months into the demos, and I thought everything I'd written was absolute crap. (laughs) All of it was just utter shite. And, like, it ended up being okay in the end. And I have absolutely no idea what the next album's going to be like. But I didn't know what this one was going to be like.
anathema. Can't let go from the optimist. The 360 degree video for that track is well worth your time. You'll find it as with all of the videos at the Kscope YouTube channel. Now, after fronting one of the late 90s biggest alternative bands, Manson, we hadn't heard any new music from Paul Draper for 15 odd years. Now, there was plenty of him on the award-winning Kscope album by the Anchoress. So, after much toing, throwing, twiddling and vintage synth soldering, we got a solo album and a sold-out tour from the master of modern psych rock, just before Paul got himself ready for the album's release and tour. I met up with him for lunch outside London's South Bank Centre and asked him how he was getting ready. This week is the start of one of the four sacraments of the music industry. There's writing, there's recording, there's promo and there's live. Which do you prefer? Well, of course, obviously for the past 10 years I've just been doing writing and production, you know, I haven't had really to do any promo or live at all. I, mean, I did do a few little bits of things, but I think what happened is I stuck my head above the parapet and did quite a few interviews that had been offered to me to launch the Anchor S album, because there's such a sea of music out there on the internet now, and then obviously Catherine's album rose and became a very critically acclaimed album, and then the pressure sort of came on me to do my solo album, so this is the first week of my promo so I'm here in the centre of London I can see the River Thames I can hear the rumbling of the trains and we're sitting next to right one of my favourite buildings in London the South Bank Centre and I've uh, just been down to Virgin Radio today to do you know do my little spot on Virgin Radio now it's the K-Scope podcast then I've got Yorkshire Evening News lined up Wow, I've got top gig, the top gig man yeah and I've got BBC Wales about album covers for about the the six and Port Merion thing, and oh, then I've got so. oh, I've got loads of other radio stuff, um, and you know. Are you enjoying it though? I mean, is it back in the saddle? You know what? When I first started this whole project, I thought, okay, I'll never be an artist again. Ah, what this is, I'm a producer now, and what I'm going to do is dig my old songs out from years ago and produce myself from the past. And that's been very much what it's like. But go back to the top. And the first conversation we had is that you said you weren't going to be an artist until K-Scope got in touch and said, aha, there you are, have you considered releasing a record? Well, they did, yeah. They got in touch with me and I just out of curiosity I said, come on down. They came down to my studio and, you know, I didn't want to be on a major label again. Mm. The pitfalls of being on a major label, you know, they can spend 200 grand on you in a few months and drop you in two weeks. Mm. So... I like the K-Scope, I like the guys, I like the philosophy, I like the physical product they made, and the packaging is beautiful. You know, they can do it as good as any label in the world, and that's why I sign with them, really.
Paul Draper from the album Spooky Action, co-written with Catherine and Davis. That's Who's Wearing the Trousers. Now, as the leaves began to turn golden, I had a fascinating conversation with Ulrich Schnaus and Thorsten Questioning, part of the current lineup of Tangerine Dream, the group that invented Cosmetia. Edgar Froese may no longer be part of this astral plane, but he left instructions. Edgar decided to renew the lineup with Ulrich and skip um, some of the other live people, like saxophone and percussion and guitars, and um, to come back to kind of sequencer-driven and more electronic, pure electronic music. And so he invited um, Ulrich to uh, Ulrich sorry, to to to, uh, to join us, and um, he called the, the this. Uh, phase um, of the band Quantum Years um, and sadly he, he, he died in, in January 2015 and um, as part of his wishes and wish um, um, they, he, he, al- he already um, did many sketches, arrangements um, recordings and um, on, on, on the most uh, uh, the biggest part were concepts, um, we spoke a lot, lot of times about um, how we should make music in the future of Tangerine Dream and um, how album and live performances should should happen and happen and and he left us a, a bunch of sketches, many hard disks and um, so and because it was Edgar's wish, um, there was kind of no decision to do it or not. So, but it's kind of uh, an order <laughs> to, um, yeah, to fulfill the vision of his quantum years um, yeah. uh, concept. And so, as you know, as Germans, we very much like following orders. Yeah. <laughs> Tangerine Dream from Quantum Gate. When everybody's dancing, it is time to leave.
Next, a trip to mining country Nottinghamshire on a rainy autumnal day for a welcome cup of black tea with Daniel Tompkins of Tesseract and Sky Harbour, along with Jordan Turner to chat about their beautiful LP as White Moth Black Butterfly. Now, Daniel Tompkins also works as a vocal coach, so I wanted to ask him for some top tips What's actually the hardest word to sing? Is it going? I mean, obviously, if you take a word outside the rock and roll lexicon, you know, barbecue is going to be quite difficult to fit into a song. But within the rock and roll lexicon, why is going the hardest word to sing? I don't know, actually. That's a really good question. Now, I teach diction in singing, Mm. and I understand now that actually there should be no difficult words to sing. It's all about modulation and cleverly uh, shaping... The, the vowels or consonants mm. within a word to make it easier for you to sing. So it really is just about uh, using good embouchure and placing that tone just right. Okay, so depending I'm, on where you're in range. So I'm so going to give I'm, you a word. I'm going to make you a star. David Essex, come here. The voice is incredibly subjective to the individual. So in actual fact, what may work for you might not work for okay. me. So it is very much about finding something that works for you. So you, there may well be... Um, a little trick that might work for you, but not for me. So vocal silence is massively important in maintaining a good voice. Stretching your vocal cords from top to bottom in the morning, okay. in the afternoon, in the evening is right. massively okay. important because for endurance okay. in singing, it's not just about breathing, it's not just about being healthy, it's about developing strong vocal muscles and there are oh, two right. groups. Okay. You, have, oh, right. okay. you have a CT muscle and a TA muscle. Right. And if you can stretch your cords out from top, from the bottom of your range to the top in a sweep, like a... Mm. Mm. Right. All you're doing is grabbing hold of them. You're grabbing hold of them and you're making them pliable and stretching okay. them. So if you do that daily, you're building new habits, new muscular habits. And if you can have a high protein diet, you're rebuilding muscle tissue to coordinate in a certain way. That's how you strengthen Aren't your you voice. Pa- absolutely paranoid though. If you're, when you're going to America with Tesseract in the next few weeks uh, and Europe, aren't you absolutely paranoid? Stay away Do you know from what? me. Say that cough, keep that cough away from me. A little bit, yeah. You do yeah. have to kind of like be, you can't be change, clever. You can change a guitar string, but you can't exactly. change Exactly, no, you can't. You, yeah. have to, you have to be clever. You know, if there's somebody coughing, I walk the other way. You yeah. know, <laughs> if somebody shakes, shakes my hand and they've got a sweaty hand, I'm afraid I'm going to wash it. Fist bump. Fist <laughs> bump. <laughs> yeah, just fist bump. That's my talk. Yeah. So, well, I think that probably concludes our business. Thank you very much, very much for the tea. But, but obviously no milk in it. Why shouldn't I have milk in it? Why well, isn't dairy products aren't good for your voice, are they? <laughs> Chocolate, so I understand. <laughs>
Daniel Tompkins of Tesseract and Sky Harbour, Keshav Dar of Sky Harbour with string arranger Randy Slaw and Jordan Turner on vocals for that one. That's called The Serpent. They are called White Moth, a black butterfly. And the album is called Atone. Check out the video for that track, as well as its complimentary song, Evelyn, on K-Scope's YouTube channel. Marius Dudar of Riverside, one of Europe's biggest rock bands, has had a tough time of it lately, which, as catharsis, wraps like a blanket around his remarkable latest LP as Lunatic Soul, entitled... Fractured, perfect, as the nights drew in and we cuddled up to the radiator, but also, as Marius says, the first Lunatic Soul LP that can be heard in the daylight. This album was inspired by everything almost that happened to me in the last year. And I wanted to, you know, face this. I wanted to write about it, but in the way that I can stand up on my own to feet again. Uh, but if I have to choose the most personal fragments, I would choose Anymore, of course. Because of my father, I would choose A Thousand Shards of Heaven and Battlefield. These two songs are about how to deal with your memories that can hold you back. A Thousand Shards of Heaven is about how to transform your bad days, your failures into something positive. If you are an artist, for instance, you can always write a book about it. You can paint something, you can compose music and later, um, you know, create your lifetime achievement <laughs> that can also help someone else. I want to tell you about something You don't talk to me anymore Wanna share my innermost desires You don't talk to me anymore I need to show you what I'm like What I've achieved, what I have understood Then you might tell me you're proud of me But you don't talk to me anymore I wanna show you my words on paper But you don't talk to me anymore Just wanna say that I'm sorry But you don't talk to me anymore I need to show you what I'm like What I've achieved, what I have understood Then you might tell me you're proud of me But you don't talk to me anymore But you don't talk to me anymore But you don't talk to me anymore
Lunatic Soul, and that's entitled Any More from the album Fracture. Check out the video for that also. So as we headed uh, towards the end of the year, a knees up night out at the triumphant Pineapple Thief and Godsticks show at the gorgeous and lovely University of London Union. A chance to sup craft ale out of cans uh, with my fellow hipsters Darren Charles of Godsticks, who also plays lead guitar with the Pineapple Thief, and the Pineapple's main man, Bruce Sword, to discuss their friendship and how they met. Darren, how did you get involved with him? <laughs> uh, I think I met him back in about, was it 2012, when we, we supported... Yeah, Someone Who's Missing tour. Oh, was it? Mm. It was the Underworld, wasn't it? I don't know why we kept in touch, really. No. Because I don't generally keep in touch with anyone. No. <laughs> so is, that, is that how you got involved with Coastcode through Bruce? Uh, no, I'd always pestered K-Scope, oh, right. ever since I released an EP, and um, started pestering record companies. There wasn't many who, who were willing to talk to you, <laughs> but Tony was one. Mm. Uh, I sent uh, Tony Harris, was one of them, and um, getting rejected by so many different people is a little bit disheartening, but mm. actually, Tony's rejection initially was, uh, well, I wouldn't say heartwarming, but I didn't... He's such a genuine person, mm. and he took the time to say why, you know, why they, we couldn't, they couldn't sign us at the time, uh, but stay in touch. And he's just a really genuine person, and I still to this day um, think that. Dynamism in groups then, because the Pineapple Thief is now a, is now a bigger group. It's got, yeah, it's, got, it's got Darren playing guitar, it's got Gavin Harrison playing the drums. So out of the current lineup of the um, Pineapple Thief then, who's the, uh, who's the most rock and roll? Who's the most difficult to get out of bed in the morning? I don't know. I'm asking you, I'm asking yeah. you as the lead. Hey, it's probably me, isn't it? I'm probably the hardest one to get out of bed. Do you know what? I would say none of us are really we particularly are, rock. Well, okay, well, who's the most profesh then in the pineapple? All thing? of us. All right, not me. <laughs> not me. Gavin's the most professional. He, yeah. Well, day. presumably he's the father of the chapel, isn't he? He's going now, chaps. So you don't do that. Well, he's, really. a, he's he's a standard bearer, really. Yeah, he's he has... he sort of um, was. I really enjoyed the when we went first rehearsed with with him down his uh, down in his wonderful studio. Yeah. Oh, I remember. Down to, um, to the artist's house. Well, he well, forced we us. Uh, we recorded the rehearsal, and something that probably me and him very rarely do, and, and forced mm. us to listen back to ourselves. And uh, realised that lots of things were shit. There we did, yeah. Basically, <laughs> but, thing, he, but he, he made us do it, and he wasn't uh, he was wasn't as tolerant as we would normally have been of like mistakes. And no, because we, we were there going, oh my god, is that how is that how my voice sounds? He goes, yeah, Bruce, that's how it sounds out the front. I go, ah, right, okay, I better go and sort that out. <laughs> Oh, 
For Yourself, The Pineapple Thief, featuring The Anchoress. There is a live concert film featuring The Pineapple Thief, 
with Gavin Harrison from Porcupine Tree and King Crimson on drums, entitled Where We Stood. And before that, you heard Godsticks, whose Darren Charles plays lead guitar for The Pineapple Thief these days. Godsticks' album is entitled Faced With Rage. That track, Hard To Face, and there's a video for that online right now. And to close then, our old and dear friend Daniel Kavanagh, who took time out on the Anathema tour bus to send in an audio communique about his lovely solo LP, Monochrome. To be honest, I just had songs lying around uh, that the band were likely never going to do. And they were just sitting there, and I thought, well... Why not stay busy and record a record and put it out and see what happens, you know? And so that's just what I did. It was recorded before The Optimus, so that would be about 2015. And um, they were just sitting around. The songs were there. Um, Most of them were quite simple and easy to do. It was really nice putting this together. there wasn't really a stylistic thing. I don't think the band shies away from many different styles at all. Um, but I would say that it it was easier to make a, a meditational kind of trance-like series of songs because I wasn't bound by the formula of what the expectations are of a rock band. Danny Kavanagh there. My thanks to him and all the artists who have spent time with me this year and thank you dear listener for joining me Billy Reeves for this episode of the K-Scope podcast we're humbled by the music played here and also by the fans and listeners that make our label possible keep supporting independent music by liking sharing and subscribing to the K-Scope podcast until next year then lots of good things happening look out for new material from the Anchoress Gaspacho No Sound Tesseract, The Pineapple Thief, I Am The Morning, and Gleb from I Am The Morning's doing a solo album, Paul Draper live, and major reissue campaigns from the catalogues of Porcupine Tree and Manson. I'll see you on the other side. This is Daniel Kavanagh and Soho. Happy Christmas. I feel you.
feel you See the light. 